Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast, or welcome if you are new. My name is Mallory Page, and I'm a registered dietitian, and I am also your host. And if you've never been to this podcast before, this is the place where you bring nutrition trends, wellness rules, influencers that you listen to, anything that you've seen in the wellness space, in the diet culture space that you're confused about, and we answer if it's legit or not. I provide you with my educated opinion. I bring in research. I bring in other people's opinions. But at the end of the day, you decide how you want to incorporate that into your life and what makes you feel the best because all of our opinions can be different. It happens, especially in the wellness world. But I always hope that this podcast helps you. At the end of each episode, we also give a rating to how diet culture-esque something seems. It's from zero to 10. Zero, I don't know if it exists, honestly, but it would be that there is absolutely no diet culture influence at all, which would we be talking about it on this podcast if there wasn't? Meh, who knows? And 10 is the absolute most diet culture you could possibly have. This is always a fun piece, too, because I feel like that's what brings up the most disagreements, and it's kind of fun to see how different people rank different things. I have to say, before we get into it, that I just got this new ring. I absolutely love it. It's called ID-Your, so it's like idea, and then add U-R-E at the end. I think they have a really, really cool concept, so I would really suggest checking them out, but they make these rings that are like fidget spinners for your hand, like obviously because it's a ring that goes on your hand, but you can, here, hear that? How you can kind of spin it around, but (laughs) I talk so much with my hands that like every single time I'm talking, it's going up and down and you're hearing that sound. So I think I'm going to have to take that off, but they're a really cute company. I can't remember which one I got. It's like a, like it's a silver thing that it's on and then there's two diamond bands and then a gold one in between. I'm typically a gold jewelry girl, but I kind of liked throwing in the silver. That is completely besides the point, but I had to say that because I didn't know if you guys heard it even as we started with this intro. But enough of the ring talk. Let's get into the topic of this podcast, which is, is skinny trending again? Always think about me saying skinny in quotations or slim thick, which I'm going to be referring to in a second in quotations. I think these things are very subjective and ridiculous that we even name bodies in these specific ways. So I'm just going to say that right now instead of putting quotations and saying I'm putting quotations on both of these words every single time that I say them. So the interesting thing about this topic is I've actually been wanting to speak about this for a really long time because back in even early 2021, but especially mid-2021, I started to notice things in fashion and social media and even just in big influencers and celebrities that were shifting back towards the 2000s mindset, which if you're familiar with what the 2000s were like, there was a fixation in every single way with being skinny, even in the 90s as well. And honestly, through most of time, it has been more of the focus But there have been many other times that it has been less of a focus than it was during the 90s and the 2000s, if that makes sense. So when I started to notice this and then other people started to comment on it, 
I kind of have that like red flag start to go up. But more recently, it's become even more prevalent to the point where I could see it starting to affect you guys, to affect my listeners. And that's always what I think about when I create a podcast is, is this going to be helpful? Are people going to benefit from this? So the whole skinny versus slim thick trend has to be defined before we can move forward because defining things is the only way that we can truly understand them, right? Or at least that's always my viewpoint. So slim thick is the idea that you have a toned, slim stomach, especially with an emphasis on a small waist. And honestly, I feel like it's slim pretty much everywhere other than your hips and your glutes. So you think of the Kim Kardashian body type, the Kylie Jenner body type, as slim thick most often. But it's very, 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 very important to recognize that people of color, especially black women, were born with these body types and have had them for many years and actually been shamed for them for many years. And the interesting thing about trends is that Oftentimes, trends don't become a trend until white women take something, adopt it, and then decide, okay, this is a trend now. And this is especially evident with a body type trend because they're changing their bodies and deciding, okay, now that my body looks like this, it's a trend versus other women have had that type of body for their whole life. And it's not been trending just because they've had it. When it comes to the slim, thick body type, there are also two different types or categories that are present. Honestly, I would actually say three different types and categories. So as we just mentioned, there are people of color that very naturally have had and continue to have this body type because they're born with with it. Number two... There are celebrities, influencers, most of the time wealthier women that have decided to get into this trend through plastic surgery. So BBLs especially, or they do something to their stomach and move the fat around. I'm not honestly that familiar with all the different types of plastic surgery, and plastic surgery is very complicated, but we see this a lot, and that especially happened within the influencer space and the Kardashians celebrity space. We do see other celebrities do it, but most of the time they are celebrities of influence. It's not as common that we see it in like a movie star or something. It's typically, I would say almost all the time, it's like influencer type celebrities like the Kardashians, maybe some singers sometimes, that type of category. Then we also saw this in the gym. And this was honestly one of the very first places that I personally noticed the shift was seeing this whole skinny was out and strong is in. I mean, I still remember the strong not skinny hashtag when I didn't think that that was problematic. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I even used that, which I hate to say. I spoke about this in the strong not skinny episode that I have on the podcast, which you can definitely listen to and I can link down below. But that whole movement 
definitely coincides with the whole slim thick idea because it moved away from skinny being best and we saw fitness influencers start to focus a lot on growing their glutes and shrinking their waist. We saw all these booty workouts that people were trying to do and in the past having a butt was something people didn't even want, which is so wild to think about, but it was a negative thing. So to have that shift, it may not sound as monumental as it is with the era that we're in now, but it was huge. So when we started to notice that, okay, it's okay to be strong, you don't have to focus on being skinny anymore, shift, it definitely started to signify this whole slim thick movement. Because obviously you can imagine not every single person is out here getting plastic surgery because that doesn't make sense. But every single person can start to do certain things in order to fall into a more slim thick quote unquote category than they used to. So now that we've defined slim thick and what that has meant, it's actually important for us to define skinny and what skinny meant during this time period. Because I don't know what the age range is. I mean, I've seen the age range of my audience and who listens to this podcast. And I know some of you guys probably have a deeper understanding than other people that are listening. And I think the extremity to which skinniness was idolized at this time is something that's hard to even understand, even for me to fully understand, although I was still affected by it. You know, I can remember the Tumblr days and everybody being obsessed with the thigh gap, but I also feel like I was able to escape some of that just because of my age and how the trend started to somewhat transition at my most vulnerable time when that could have really, really, really affected me. And since back then, we didn't really have Instagram. We really saw this within celebrity culture. And celebrity culture was so different back then since we didn't really have influencers in the way that we do now, or we didn't really at all. I mean, the first true influencers, in my opinion, that we really saw were people like Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton. And I think people argue whether they really were influencers or not. You know, they were reality TV stars. But they were some of the people that we saw struggle the most with this whole skinny, idolized mindset. So Lindsay Lohan, Nicole Richie, Paris Hilton, they were the picture of the struggle with thinness when we look back to the 2000s. And the only reason why I bring them up is because they have all admitted that when they were going through this, they also had eating disorders, and most of them struggled with addiction of some sort to drugs. And this was such a big thing that the president was even commenting on this. I want to read you guys an excerpt from this article that spoke more in depth about how this was really a crisis that was going on and not just a trend that people were idolizing. I'm going to read you this article or the excerpt of this article is fashion making a worrying return to size zero. The Y2K trend that has the industry in a chokehold may also be resurrecting the unattainable super slim body ideal of the era. I'm going to start off reading this, but I'm also going to have it linked down below because there's more than what I'm going to read. And it's a wonderful article by Rosalind Jana. Here we go. 15 years ago, the fashion world was subject to a wave of public concern. The word size zero began to appear in newspaper headlines, often in the context of the death of three models. 
Many of the headlines, particularly among the tabloids, were sensationalist in their wording. References to eating disorders discussed in lurid terms. This wasn't the first time that fashion's demand for extreme thinness has been subject of debate. In 1997, a group of designers, including Stella McCartney and John Galeno, came together to condemn the growing phenomenon of the so-called heroin chic, stating, We disprove of the fashion industry glamorizing the use of addictive substances. Now, we tend to think of heroin chic as more of a physical phenomenon, an image of an underweight girlhood, young and grungy and worryingly frail. But at the time, it was clearly linked with a more general sense of moral panic about the perceived allure of drugs. It was considered important enough for American presidents to have opinions on, with Bill Clinton also proclaiming in 1997 that you don't need to glamorize drug addiction to sell clothing. The size zero Ferrar, which means like excitement and outrage, had more sticking power. Perhaps it was because it came off the back of this earlier wave of outrage. Maybe too, it felt like a part of a general Y2K tilt towards a particularly unattainable body type. Think Paris Hilton in hip bone skimming low rise jeans and teen pop stars with impossibly flat stomachs accentuated by tiny crop tops and belly button piercings. This was additionally fueled by images of perilously thin models on the catwalk. The ensuing wave of concern was concrete enough to have actual consequences. It yielded parliamentary debates and widespread calls for change. In reality, what this largely meant was everyone in the fashion industry was palming off responsibility onto one another, as editors blamed designers And designers blame model agents. A number of countries made lackluster attempts to ban size zero models from walking shows. Meanwhile, a huge amount of media was directed at the models themselves. Now, the fashion industry would like to tell you it's changed. It's in a new body positive era, baby. Gone are the days when girls had to starve themselves to be in with a minute chance of making it big. Banished is the toxic promise that with the desired measurements, an aspiring model might get cast in all the hot shows and land a lucrative ad campaign. So accessing the money, visibility, and status her agency promised on first signing her before she was old enough to legally drink, right? Recently, there have been rumblings of concern. For all the progress made when it comes to inclusion of the range of body types in the world of high-end fashion with models like Ashley Graham and Precious Lee gracing magazine covers and catwalks, there are signs that things may be regressing. Many lay blame at the feet of the current 2000s revival. They worry that the return of skimpy dresses and cutouts everywhere from hips to clavicles might be contributing to a renewed desire to for the kind of bodies that were valorized at the turn of the millennium. In the last month or so, these, confer- these concerns have coalesced around the now infamous Miu Miu skirt set. Composed of a tiny belted skirt and similarly belted top or boob skimming shirt and cable knit jumper, all hacked down to their smallest possible proportions as though a teenage girl took a pair of scissors to their uniform. The set has appeared on everyone, from Nicole Kidman to Zenzaya, Saweetie, Haley Bieber, Bamini, Bella Hadid, and Emily Radikowski. It is a design made to draw attention to the legs and stomach. 
Now, there is no need for those legs or stomachs to look a particular way, but it's notable that for many celebrities, models, and industry insiders, it's become desirable for that outfit to frame their toned and honed bodies. And end reading. That article is incredible. I just really feel like it brings a perspective that I wouldn't have been able to bring as someone that's not in the fashion industry and also that just doesn't understand trends to the same extent and also wasn't living through this time period as a young adult or even an adult or anyone that could really understand the extremity of what was going on. And I hope that this article really shows you how extreme it was and also how extreme this could be, which the very ending of this article is the part that I want to use as a launching pad to discuss how this affects body image. As it was alluding to in the very last point, there is no requirement to wear 2000s trends. You don't have to have a certain type of body, but at the same time, The way that these articles of clothing look make it very evident that it is way more inclusive and comfortable for thin bodies. And this was such a massive time for fat phobia. Of course, we still deal with fat phobia, but fat phobia was arguably at its highest point during these trends and at this time. And it didn't feel like there was anybody really in the spotlight in modeling, or even celebrities that were being accepted or at the, at the least like appreciated, glamorized, anything like that if they were in a larger body, especially because the clothes were so incredibly unaccepting of that. And what we've been seeing in the media recently that has been throwing out concerns is not even just the fashion, It's how people are changing their body in preparation for fashion trends like Y2K and skimpier trends. So things that we have seen, people removing their BBLs that they got in to help them during the slick, thick, the slim, thick, not slick them, the slim, thick phase. So we've seen the Kardashians getting their BBLs dissolved or taken out or however that works. They've been such an obvious example of this. We've also seen influencers do it and singers do it. I'm sure you've seen the images floating around. We have seen on social media, especially on TikTok, more of that Tumblr-esque type of inspo and images and videos that really highlights that people are obsessing over this certain shape and certain type of body that over the past years has been a little bit less prevalent and a little bit less strong. We've also seen, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, this has been such a big thing that I have noticed that's shot up some of like, ooh, this is not good, a shift back from weightlifting or a shift from weightlifting back to like Pilates walking cardio vibes. Now, during this time, there wasn't as much of an obsession with working out. I still think there's more of an obsession with working out nowadays than there was back then. But if women were working out, mostly it was cardio. It wasn't these weightlifting or strengthening exercises. And a lot of the people are expressing, well, my voice sounded weird right there, 
a sentiment of not wanting to be quote-unquote bulky or get too big anymore. And when they speak about going back to Pilates and walking, they're doing it in the way of, oh, I look so much thinner or I lost this weight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, some people throw out different reasons, but that's the main thing that I've been seeing on my For You page and on Instagram and just overall in the media. And of course, guys, with this, remember, there's always people that are not following the trends. There's always people that have felt the same desire to be the skinny aesthetic. There's always people that will continue to want to be the slim thick aesthetic. We're talking about an overall trend because that trend is what puts pressure on everybody. Even when we don't know it, it's still there. I also want to make it clear that just because I'm saying that these shifts have happened, I'm not saying that the beforehand of them was positive 100% or negative 100%. There's a lot of nuance to this conversation. And I want to go through some of the positives and negatives, but I also want to direct you to a video that I watched about this that I really loved by Scola Dondo. I'm going to link it down below. I think her perspective is super important because she is a black woman and she feels like she's really experienced this shift and has changed her body even some to fit this shift and she just has a really good perspective on it that I don't feel like I can fully bring and speak to. So I'm going to link that down below but I want to just go through some of these different positives and negatives. So the number one thing that I think is huge is it allowed for people of color to feel more accepted in their natural bodies, you know, having bigger glutes, even having bigger thighs, stuff along those lines. That's super important. I'm not just saying that's people of color, but at the same time, they're the largest majority group that was affected by this that also felt like they couldn't necessarily change their body to fit into this 2000s trend. And that's obviously a positive because the more that there are people that feel accepted, the better it is. Of course, again, there are people that could speak more to that experience than me. Now, something that I've noticed the most within this is how it has shifted people's goals within eating and at the gym or with working out. So in the past, in the 2000s, it was so fixated on starving yourself and eating disorders and if you were doing any type of working out, it was only cardio. And so I do think that there were positive shifts in the way that at least people were eating more, at least the type of body was arguably, quote unquote, healthier. To go off of this point, I do think there are people that would argue there were a lot less eating disorders during the slim thick phase I don't really know if this is backed by research and there would be way too many variables to actually know what created a change if there were less eating disorders. Honestly, I think eating disorders have continually been on the rise, but we don't know if that's from social media. You know what I'm saying. But I also would argue with this that yes, it is a positive, but it could just have created a different type of eating disorder because it's more of a fixation on you know, kind of orthorexia, exercise obsession. So that that's kind of a, it's a wash in a way. But at least we weren't idolizing this very, 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 very thin, potentially could kill you with 
health reasons, eating disorder or look. And I will say, I think that the slim thick look was more inclusive to more people's body types than the 2000s look. I think that's something that could definitely be said. Now, it still isn't as inclusive as we want because we don't want there to be any trends around body types, but it's still something that's better than what it was before. Now, the negatives of this is you're still obsessing over a small waist, which is not attainable for most people. And you're also still obsessing over a certain body type. So now you're obsessing over a large butt versus in the past, you didn't want that, right? So people are still getting surgeries to do these things. And anything that makes us feel like, oh, I have to do this, I have to change myself to fit a standard is not helpful, right? It can be super unattainable, just like the opposite trend of the 2000s, because again, not everybody's body looks like that. There's still also fat phobia within the slim thick genre or trend. It's almost like you only fit into it if there's this certain level of slim thick or this certain look, but if you're slightly outside of that, it's not good enough, which is ridiculous. And also it makes people of color feel like their body is just another trend and now it's going to go out of trending again. What a horrible, horrible feeling to have. So Yes, there could be positives in comparison to the 2000s trend, but also there are negatives. And at the end of the day, any trend around body types is not what we want. We don't want body types to be trending. Your body doesn't actually change because your bones are the same. Your your structure is the same. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why are we obsessing over putting our body into this certain box that it really does not need to be put into. I asked you guys on my Instagram actually what you thought about if we're going back into skinny as a trend again. And I preface this with saying this is typically being said in relation to 2000 fashion, you know, low-rise jeans, BBLs being removed, just so you have the context of what I said. And there were a lot of different thoughts. I honestly think it was one of the most, like, had the most variety. So I just want to read you a few. Lauren says, so toxic. Trending fashion cycles shouldn't only be portrayed by people with certain body types. Someone else said, hopefully it will go to show that trends are temporary and just business methods. Alice said, it's awful. Nikki said, another dangerous re-emerging trend that favorites a particular body type. Someone else says, you can't change your bone structure is all I'm saying. Hip width is what it is. Mia brought up that the Pilates trend of being lighter instead of bulky to me sounds like skinny over comfort weight, which I definitely agree. (laughs) Hallie said, F a trend, I want to be happy, which I freaking love that. Someone else said, it makes recovery harder. Becca said, and also Paige said this as well, I don't think that skinny ever stopped being, ever stopped trending. Body acceptance equals the minority and that it's due to diet culture. Antonia said, thinking about that too and the thought that skinny jeans will be a thing again. It's honestly scary. I think it would really trigger me if it becomes a norm. 
Alyssa said, it's hard to keep up. And Eliza said, it brings back bad feels as when I was a kid, I never felt like I would look like the magazine girls. I really think that you guys covered it in a beautiful way. And I want to give my opinion on whether or not I think that this is coming back. And just preface again with the fact that this is not saying this is going to happen or it's not or that I'm right. In this situation, I really don't know, but I want to just at least give my two cents. And then I want to give you some tips on how to work through this if you're feeling the fear, the pressure, anything coming up from it. So I do think, honestly, that we are moving back towards more of a 2000s mindset in terms of fashion. And I think that this is challenging because I feel like this will make people feel a lot less accepted than they did when we had more inclusive fashion fashion trends that were just more, you know, comfortable for everybody. But I also do think that these trends will come and go much more quickly. I don't think they will have the same moment that they did. And we're in such a different time that I don't think there's any way that it will become sensationalized in the same way that it did in that article that we were speaking to. I don't think we're going to have the Lindsay Lohans and the Paris Hiltons and the Nicole Richies. And yes, celebrities they're going to do crazy things. The Kardashians are going to do crazy things and other people and probably even like the really, really, really big influencers as well. But those people don't have as much of an influence as they used to, in my opinion. And people have different opinions on this. But when we were growing up in this time, you would see the fashion magazines and they would all be talking about this and glamorizing it and we didn't really have other media. We didn't have social media to look to to show a different message. It felt like that was fact. That was what we were going for. And I just don't think that can happen now. And I think the beauty of social media in this position is yes, even though there are people that may fall more into this type of fashion and into this type of body type and trend, there's also tons of people that are combating this that we can see that can show you, hey, your body is super normal. Hey, I'm going to still wear high-rise jeans because they make me feel comfortable. Hey, if you want to wear low-rise jeans and you don't look like this specific body type, you're still beautiful. It, this is me doing it, you know? So I think that will create a big shift. And I also think that we have still made strides within the fashion industry and within models because we are not going to just have a disappearance of people like Ashley Graham or a disappearance of all these other wonderful fashion models that we have. Now, is it enough? Have we done enough with inclusion? No, not even in the slightest. It's, it's not even a shadow of a doubt that we are eons away from the inclusion that we need. There's actually a quote that I was looking through as I was researching for this article that was saying, yes, we've done better with inclusion, but also plus size models or even normal sized models, quote unquote, which is a ridiculous thing to even say, but you guys probably get what I mean by that, are the exception, not the trend. And I think that's so true. 
but I also believe that there has been enough pushback and enough change in people's mindset that we at least see brands trying, even if it's more performative, but at least performative is better than the toxic standards that we used to have. I mean, a big thing that I think about is with Victoria's Secret, right? They're trying to overhaul their whole model team and think about what that used to be like in the 2000s, right? It was literally the Victoria's Secret angels and these super thin models and they don't even have the fashion show anymore because of all the drama with this stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think it will never, ever go back to what it was. And I truly believe that we have enough people fighting against it online in their personal lives, in the fashion industry, within brands, that we will never return to that same time that we used to have. And I hope that gives you some reassurance At the same time, I do think we need to be really aware as we see these type of trends come back and come up that you do not need to fit a trend and that our bodies are not trends. They're just not. Your body is your body and it really, without plastic surgery, (laughs) doesn't change to fit the different trends that we have and it shouldn't. And even the amount of people that can fit into this 2000s trend that we're talking about, it's so small. And then the amount of people that can fit into that trend in a healthy way, it's minuscule. Almost every single one of these women that were fitting this trend has come out and said that they had eating disorders, at least very heavily disordered eating relationships with food. So it's just not worth it. And I hope there's more people that recognize that now. And When it comes to even the Pilates and walking trend versus the weightlifting trend, yes, I think this will persist. This isn't directly tied to the 2000s, but I still feel like it gives kind of a nudge or a nod to the 2000s trend. And I urge you to remember that moving is about doing what you like. And this really brings me into my tips around this and what to make of all of this, everything that we went through today. The biggest thing that I would say to do is number one, work on feeling more accepting of your body exactly how it is. And yes, I know that is, it's a big and it's a tall task and it's hard. It's hard when we live in a fat phobic society. It's hard when there are so many people that will put you down. And it's hard when you feel this pressure from seeing everything on social media and seeing everything's with celebrities. But I know it is possible for you. I've seen women do it of all different shapes and sizes and races and ethnicities, ethnicities, and it's amazing. And I know that we can accomplish it. Number two, do what you enjoy wear the clothes that you enjoy. Don't feel like you need to wear Y2K stuff to fit into a trend. Don't feel like you need to wear low-rise jeans if you don't like them. Don't feel like you need to show your midriff if you don't want to. Do what feels good to you because a fashion trend is not what's going to make you more attractive. What makes you attractive is you being confident in what you're wearing, whatever that is for you. And the same thing, number three, for movement. Who cares if Pilates and walking is trending? If you don't like it, don't do it. You know, I like Pilates and walking. I think it's fun. I was doing it way before this trend started because I was having knee issues. 
I also freaking love weightlifting and I cannot wait until my little knee stops acting up and maybe one day I can do some weights again. But you know what? Either way, I don't care if that's the trend or not, because all that matters is what works for your body. And I hope you remember that. It's not about what people are telling you should do. It's about what feels good for you. Also, number four, continue to buy from brands and also clothes that you like. I do think it's important to mention that there are a lot of brands that are so much more size inclusive than they were in the past. We still, again, have a very, very far way to go in order to get to the place that we need to be. But I really appreciate brands that are really trying and expanding that range. And I've really tried to be conscious about not buying from brands that aren't inclusive because that's something that so few people can actually buy that fit their body type. So why would I want to support that? And plus, I feel like when you buy from these brands, it's such a better experience because you can truly find what fits your body and feel super comfortable rather than feeling like you're having to like squeeze into this piece of clothing that wasn't really made for your body and not really feeling accepted. Wow. There was so much that went into this episode. I honestly think this is one of the hardest episodes I've ever recorded, but I really hope that it resonates with you. And I know that I've left things off of the conversation and I urge you again to go watch that video that I'll link down below, look into the articles and just, I wanted to bring this up so that you feel prepared, so that you don't feel shocked, so that you don't feel afraid. You don't question, how do I handle this? Is this coming back? What do I do? You have it all together. You're doing everything you need to do just by being yourself. And if you're struggling in the wake of this change, or if you're just struggling in general, if they want you want to work on body acceptance, you're struggling with your relationship with food or exercise, please know that there is support out there for you. Even if you can't pay to work with someone, I highly suggest just speaking to a friend, speaking to someone that you can trust and talk to. I have a free challenge in my bio of three days to improving your relationship with food and loving your body more. And I also have my program Live Unrestricted, which is 16 weeks with me where we absolutely transform your relationship with body image, food, exercise, all the things. So just know that if you're struggling, you're not alone and we will get through this. This rating... Oh gosh, how does one even rate this? I think that I want to rate this in terms of the whole 2000s movement and obsession with skinny. And I will say that is a 10 out of 10. I don't know how many other 10 out of 10s there will literally ever be. Maybe there'll be a lot, but I don't think so. That time was a 10 out of 10. There is not one thing out of that era that I think is positive. And that's why I don't think we're going to go back because I think we have done enough work to at least make a dent. And if we can fight through this, we can freaking fight through anything, guys. We have got this. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Honestly, I feel like I really was not as articulate today as typical. I had a really hard time with just getting out my thoughts in this episode and I felt like I was repeating myself and... I was being really hard on myself. I literally wanted to give up. I was like, what if I just don't put out an episode tomorrow? And I'm really glad that I didn't. And I only say this because it's always worth it. 
to just try and to just do it and do the best you can. And if I do slip up on something, also I hopefully this little message <sighs> has that reminder of I'm doing the best I can too and I don't mean to mess up anything or totally forget a piece of the conversation and I'm always open to you DMing me and sharing anything about it. So if you enjoyed this episode or any other episodes, please leave a rating and a review. It means so, so much to me and really helps to support the podcast. And I cannot wait to see you here next week.